Ladies and gentlemen, this picture contains scenes which under no circumstance should be viewed by anyone with a heart condition or anyone who is easily upset. Welcome back to Caustic Content, the podcast where two dear friends battle head-to-head to find the absolute worst thing that's streaming. And uh, boy, today uh, we, we've got some things. I, I think if this episode had like a subtitle, it would be uh, the, the, the episode that requires subtitles because <laughs> we have reached a new low in audio production. So I am Steve Cuff, of course, and joining me is Adam Myros. Hi, Steve. Hi. How you feeling, buddy? Uh, a little bored. This slate wasn't... Uh... It didn't bring the the wackiness that we've encountered in the past. Uh, that's because I brought you a a drama straight from the streets, Myros, and uh, I I think it might have resonated emotionally with you a little bit. That's true. You know, I had a, a solid message. Yeah, and then your film was so spooktacular. I I found myself just cowering underneath my couch the whole time. Uh, also true. I'm, I'm I guess I guess we could call your film elevated horror. Do you think that'd be fair? My film is exactly what I thought it was going to be, and yet still somehow didn't reach the heights of shittiness I had hoped for. <laughs> the heights or the lows, depending on how you want to uh, yeah. frame it. Yeah, well, I, it was. It, it literally did. I don't think it had a single shot that took place outside of the titular apartment. So no. that that's what I was counting on, and it delivered that in spades. But. Oh, sure, sure. Well, uh <laughs> And then my film, it, it somehow crammed about 900 locations into it and uh, equal amount of characters. So really just a hodgepodge, complete mess. But that's what we kind of expect around here. So, Myros, for the, for the listeners who are new, what are the rules that we play by here on Caustic Content? Uh, rules. We have some. I don't know why, uh, but we do. Uh, we are only allowed... In, in selecting items for this process to uh, use what uh, the streaming provider in, in this and virtually all instances, Amazon, uh, provides us. They, you know, sometimes they'll give you a trailer. They'll give you a brief description. You can see some uh, sparkling review bombs and uh, that's about it. Sometimes you don't even get the trailer. Sometimes no. you don't even see any reviews. Uh Beyond that, we are uh, not allowed to use found footage films, uh, you know, at least purposefully. That's bound to happen on occasion because they they sneak one in there. But uh, we just want to avoid some redundancy that tends to occur with that format. Uh, mm. We also have our Godfrey Ho clause, which is to say you can only use a, a filmmaker one time. Uh, if it's someone we've encountered before, it's disqualified from both lists. Mm. Um uh, along a similar vein, we don't want anything that either of us have ever seen. Can't bring in any ringers. Got to stick to undiscovered territory here. That's right. And uh, the fifth tentative rule is uh, a soft ban on Georgia, which I thought I thought at first your film stunk of a a Georgia tax break loophole project. But I, yeah, I, 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 I was a little bit worried about that myself at first, but then it kind of it worked itself out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it turns out it was California, which means they just didn't have a permit for one fucking second. <laughs> <laughs> nope, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> uh, other uh, than that, it's the Wild West. Yep, 
Any, anything we could find. And, you know, we say that you, we can find the worst thing that's streaming pretty much anywhere, assuming that one of us has free access to, to one of the streaming services. But I think so far we've only used films from Amazon because, as we've learned, you can dump anything you want on Amazon streaming service uh, with very little effort. And... Uh, boy howdy that seems to be where the worst of the worst is so uh, really it's it's an amazon streaming show more or less yeah as we learned from uh steven grew uh really their only requirement is that the filmmaker provides subtitles and thank god that yeah. they've taken that measure this week because yeah because i i thought it was kind of a silly rule but then watching these films this week i was like oh okay well this makes sense <laughs> Yeah, Maybe it's because uh, of all the complaints of, of people uploading films where you just couldn't hear any of the audio. So, uh, yeah, I, I guess we'll we'll kick things off if you're fine with it. Do you, do you mind if we start with my magnum opus that I have chosen? Uh, probably the greatest film to ever document life in the streets. Uh, this is The Park, Myros, from director Richard Lee Givens. Now, Myros, could you could you tell me or to tell the listeners really what is the park? The park. Well, uh, how does Amazon describe it? That's it's, that's uh, I, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you because I love the Amazon description and the <laughs> terrible like just third grade level Photoshop that's clearly like an MS Paint Photoshop for the cover along with the description is what really sold me on this one. So. <laughs> This is the description of the park from 2017. It says, From boys in the hood to boys in the park. This story revolves around Parkerson Park. Four friends and what happens in Parkerson Park after dark. And then it says, in quotation marks, don't get caught in the park after dark. So I, I and I was like, well, is that a quote from the film or is that like the tagline or, you know, what's going on here? This this seems very interesting. I also love that the park was called Parkerson Park, which is <laughs> kind of the the Bodie McBoat face of parks. And while I was watching the movie, I was like, OK, Parkerson Park, this has to be a real be location. A yeah, it's got to be an actual park because it's so stupid. It just has to be. That's what it has to be. So I Googled it, and it's not. They just called it Parkerson Park. So this is from the mind of Richard Lee Givens, Parkerson Park, a.k.a. The Park. So don't Oof. get caught in the park after dark is is not a, uh, a line in the film, per se, but I suppose no, it's, it's or also a thing the, that happens. <laughs> it, it, is, it is also the most prominent line in the film because it's a line in the song that plays on a loop throughout uh, the entire film. Yeah. Uh, but one of yeah. my favorites here at Caustic Content is when there's a, a like one song or one just music loop that they just they use endlessly. I mean, I guess Love that I guess there are probably like five uh, tracks that they use in the film, but really it's it's this one is like ninety percent of of the film. Uh, yeah, there's not a shot a shot in the dark, if you will. The, the, none of this film takes place at night. Mm-hmm. Not a and second. I, I, I don't think that, based on this film, I don't think Mr. Mr. Givens had access to any lighting, so I can understand that. But it is weird to, to stress that so much in the description when, yeah, not a single... Every scene takes place in, like, blinding daylight. And this is an interesting era of, of bad movies, too, because 
you know, you, you think of, you know, what bad movies look like in the 80s when they still had some sort of, um, you know, 70s and 80s and they still had some sort of like studio around them or some sort of production around them. And it's not just like a guy making a movie. And then into the 80s, it's still predominantly that, but also you have the new like shot on VHS films. And then we move into the, the 90s and the early 2000s and you get into like mini DV cameras and eventually digital. But now what we're seeing is a bunch of young budding Steven Soderbergh's, I suppose, and there's a lot of iPhone films, and I believe, based on the goofy-ass, like, wide-angle everything, I am I would bet my life that this was shot on a GoPro. Okay, okay, I didn't uh, give it much thought. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't like a, a situation we encountered last episode, where the whole movie, I was like, trying to crack the the puzzle of what this was filmed on. I'm like, well, yeah. fucking something cheap and digital. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This it definitely looks like a GoPro to me, just because, and and specifically a GoPro that's on. Uh, they make these things. I mean, they have like actual steady cams that cost a few hundred dollars that you can hook a GoPro to or a cell phone. But this looks like it was just shot on, um, just like a stationary handheld, uh, kind of thing. But it doesn't have the counterweights to make it an actual steady cam. Uh, the whole thing is just handheld shots, and it's uh, it's it's not great. Not a lot going on here. I don't know if there was any sort of external mic used, and I tried to freeze frame it. There's there's a scene where someone like opens a glass door, and you can see the reflection of the guy holding the camera, uh, presumably Richard Lee Givens. Uh, and it, it doesn't look like there's any sort of like shotgun mic or anything like that. Uh, I think it was just straight up shot on a GoPro that this guy just had a little handheld stick thing. And that's that's it. Well, that's all I, there is. I'm I'm surprised almost by the restraint. If he used the GoPro, that there weren't any uh, fucking head cam bullshit. Shots. Yeah, right. I <laughs> thank the Lord for small favors. I guess. Yeah. So if we could deconstruct this uh, description a little bit, it, it, the story revolves around four friends. Uh, who are these four friends? <laughs> I don't. I, I have no idea. There's, there's like 900 people in this movie, and there's, uh, it's, it's a real like Inuritu joint here. There's like five converging narratives, none of which are really adequately fleshed out, and I don't know who's who are actually like friends with each other, and who j just wants to kill each other. And there's at least. I mean, what, like t maybe 10 characters that have some sort of place in the story? Yeah. And I'm some of these things to... intersect and some of them don't? I'm trying to narrow it to who it would be. Like, so probably the homeless man. Uh, probably the alcoholic who chokes his mother. Mm -hmm. uh, probably, again, though, now I'm on five. I'm I'm up to five already because yeah, then you've we, got... You've got, got drug dealing guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Savon, the drug dealer. You've got uh, guy, and then you've got the two basketball guys, Mister Slam Dunk and Mister Paralyzed. Yeah, and then you have you have like two separate like gun groups. There's guy with a hat and other guy who, for some reason, and I'm not sure why. Maybe you were able to figure this out, but for some reason they want to kill or harm. Saban for some reason uh I, yeah i have no idea why um i guess just because 
you know, the drug trade. They they want his turf in yeah, Parkerson I, Park. In Parkerson Park, yeah. And then but then there's the other group of guys and there's like four of them. The white guys, right? Yeah. Well, no, there's the white guys. Oh, no. And then the four other guys who show up at the white guy's house to to shoot them. Uh, and in, I don't, in like tactical gear for some in ta- reason. Yeah, they're dressed like, like, you know, kind of a 50 cent look circa 2003. They got the bulletproof vests on and then they've got the, you know, like the, the, the face mask thing that like special forces guys wear in Call of Duty that has like the skull on it. Yeah. So that's yeah. how you know they mean business. Yeah, it's great stuff. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know who those characters are, and uh, presumably they are aligned with with Savon in some way, mm-hmm. but they're not. Uh, I mean, he we are introduced to uh, several of his his cronies who are not relevant to the plot. They just kind of sit around his house smoking weed. Yeah, uh, and and so I think there's actually there's there's three or four there's four separate things going on. So there's alcohol man who chokes his mom that's like one story there's basketball guys there's the the people who shoot the white people and then the save on stuff like those are the main narratives that are kind of floating around in here right uh i guess i'd, I'd almost say there's more because i there, think, there probably is more i think it's, you've it's got hard. to count i think you've got to count the and I don't even know if we saw this in the movie. If we did, I totally missed it. But the 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 car accident paralysis thing. Oh my god! No, that is a wonderful scene. That is such a good scene. Okay, this is actually it's it's one of my favorite things in the entire movie. Um, so the guy is like he's like crossing the street. This this basketball player who we don't really know is a basketball player entirely, but sure. And then someone else who we are told later is rich, yeah. but we don't really know that much about him. He's driving down the street, and like neither one of them is paying attention. And so the rich guy in the car hits the basketball player. And then this is an amazing special effect where it looks like someone took just like a, a, a crack, like uh, clip art, I, I suppose it would be. Like if you, if you went to like freeclipart.com and typed in like, oh, cracked glass or something like that, and it would just be the free thing that came up. And it's just that, just like stretched and pixelated and overlaid completely over the screen when he hits the car. <laughs> I'm kind of uh, disappointed. I was not paying adequate attention and well, do not, and, did and not who see could, this. <laughs> who could blame you? Because the interesting thing about the park, and I didn't know this when I chose it initially, it is a merciful 50 minutes. It's not even an hour long. Okay, so this is a short film, and yet somehow... It feels like three hours, like 20 minutes into this movie. I was checking my my uh, my phone to see what time it was. I'm like, oh, my God, how long has this been on? It feels like it goes on forever. <laughs> I uh, Yeah. I, so I don't even know how these all we get like the Earth's worst VO to start the movie uh, where a guy's which just is like, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's like a shot of kids playing basketball. It's like we grew up. Playing basketball at Parkerson Park. Good times. And the uh, whole thing is like blown out. Oh, yeah. No, it's. This is over basketball in the park. You're like, oh, God. And then not only is the audio just totally like in the red, like blowing your ears out, 
but then there's just the hip hop music that's layered over that. And then for most of this this intro shot of the people playing basketball in the titular park, uh, somebody has like their thumb over the lens. And so it's just partially obscured, which yeah. is great too. Love that. Love to see it. So and then we have a time jump to present day where they're still playing basketball in Parkinson Park. But I the another thing about this movie is I it's very difficult to ascertain how much time is supposed to have passed at any given point because Oh yeah. This takes it, place it, in a black hole. Yeah, it kind of it jumps around a lot more than you'd think, considering it's a, a fifty minute thing involving uh, pretty concrete incidents. It's not a complicated story. I mean, I, there's a lot of things happening, but it, it could all... It's not a complicated story because there's really no story. It's just things happening. Yeah. Right. It, but it could feasibly happen in like three days or something. There's no reason for time jumps. But again, yeah. at, at the end, it, it, it's it's just like you, you have no idea. This is... It, this time just passes. All of a sudden, a uh, guy who gets hit by a car is in a wheelchair and everyone's dead. And <laughs> Except yeah. for Slam Dunk Man, I guess, is, is A-OK. But uh, they're just kind of reminiscing about the things that were. And it's like, I, when were they? Like last week or a yeah. year ago? Ten, or? ten <laughs> minutes ago. That's hard to tell. Impossible to tell even. Yeah. Uh, right, yeah. It, it's It's a very... Bizarre choices made in this movie, but yeah, and, and it's uh, it's just a collage of like I don't know stereotypical things you would associate with like a, a gang movie, I suppose, I guess. Uh, but but there's no there's no indication that there's any actual gangs going on here. These people seem to all be operating independently. But the Savan character, he sells drugs. And then there's a homeless guy who says, hey, don't sell drugs. Well, and I mean, he's okay with him selling. Each other. I think he's okay with him selling drugs. He just doesn't want him to sell them in Parkerson Park because hmm. there's kids. I don't oh, yeah. see any kids. Personally. Children. No, there's no children <laughs> visible at all. <laughs> but, you know, presumably it is a park, and a wonderfully named park. I'm sure the kids flock from miles away to visit Parkerson Park. So... <laughs> Best to apply your trade elsewhere, uh, says the homeless man, who may or may not be a childhood friend of Savan. I'm, I'm not clear on that. Yeah, that's not clear either. And, you know, it, it has to be said, too, you need to watch. If you're going to watch The Park, it needs to be watched with subtitles on. I made the mistake of going like 15 minutes without the subtitles on, and you you can't understand anything because there's the, the loud rap song playing in the background. And then other than that, it's like, it's mostly just people yelling. If I feel like like the the rap song is actually just playing and they're just yelling over it because that's how most of the dialogue happens. It's playing it on a boombox on set. Yeah. yeah, it's great. And then people get into fights over stuff. And then I don't know. And then they yell a lot of things that I don't understand. And that's that's on me. Uh, I'm I'm not I'm not up on my my 2017 you know drug dealing park lingo I suppose. And so. There's a scene, what is it, about halfway through, maybe 20 minutes in? I can't tell at this point. But the uh, there's there's like a white guy, and then he starts arguing with uh, three black guys. 
And then they they all like all four of them just start yelling burnt money at each other. I don't know what that means. And mm. then the white guy gets in his car and leaves and he drives around the block and then he comes back and he like shoots one of the other guys and then yells burnt money again. So I don't do we do we know what that is? What was this interaction? I don't <laughs> Uh I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I think that was right around the same time as the car accident, which was the uh, nadir of my uh, observation of this film. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I kind of popped back in when the shooting happened and I was like, what? Well, yeah. But they didn't kill. They kill a character, but not a character. They kill uh, no one. You'd think if they wanted to have this. Uh, c- considering the nature of the plot, as as in the description, it. it aspires to be a boys in the hood type thing uh that what we're talking about is how this gang culture is eroding these people's lives but it's not presented there is no gang culture i don't see these people's lives before any of these incidents happen i'm not seeing like they don't really have lives or gangs (laughs) yeah they're just there in the midst of these things happening and you're not I, I don't know. It, it doesn't it doesn't function on any level, really. But no, not, not from a narrative standpoint, certainly. And then from a technical standpoint, there, there's the aforementioned audio issues. But this is clearly a case of it, maybe someone else should be holding the camera. Like the, there's not a single shot in this movie that's like blocked or anything. There's usually there's not a ton of, of cutting. It's mostly just like cut to a new location and then handheld nonsense just following a person who's sort of talking and the acting is terrible and oh boy and there's a lot of there's a lot of talking that doesn't move the plot forward either or build the world that we're in or serve any purpose other than to suck up time like there's this whole sequence in uh Savan's house where he's he's talking to people about like selling drugs or something and, and this goes on for a very long time and basically, he's just like, yeah, dog, you ever seen Scarface? And then he just, like, says the plot of Scarface and then <laughs> talks about how you can't get high on your own supply. And we're like, oh, is this foreshadowing? Is this Chekhov's cocaine? Like, are you going to, you know, uh, bury yourself in your own drugs and ruin your life instead of, you know, becoming the the great dealer that you want to be? And none of that ever plays out. No, no. Savant's story is uh, a bit truncated. It feels early in the film like he's going to be your central character, but um, he's not. There is no central character. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, let me he's, tell he's you who the central all. character is. It's Parkerson Park. That's true. Yeah, we we check in with uh, Savant like uh, three times in the film, and each time. He's either just sitting in his living room or his his girlfriend is like, you should stop dealing drugs. And that's it. And he's like, yeah, I'll stop dealing drugs. And then he just doesn't. And then she leaves him. And then he gets killed. <laughs> yeah. Well, we don't know if he gets killed, um, presumably. But verdict's still out. We got to wait, wait for the park part two. <laughs> well, don't, I, I felt like the ending with the wheelchair man and slam dunk were like, too bad Savan got killed. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I'm not sure. Uh, the, <laughs> the end of this movie, though, is quite fantastic if you ask me um it's it's the only time i i got a, a it's a good chuckle and an eye roll that's for sure but it, it builds up to there's like two guys 
who aren't really in the movie until the very end that just decide out of nowhere, like, we have decided that we hate Savan and we don't want him to be alive anymore. So they, they get a hold of the homeless man and they're like, you're Savan's friend, call him and tell him to meet us at the park. Even though earlier in the movie he got in like a fight with Savan, so I don't know why Savan would listen to him. But yeah, I don't know why he would have Savan's phone number or a phone. A for phone that for that matter. <laughs> yeah, I, that doesn't make any sense. So he calls him, and then Savan shows up, and then we're treated to more loud music. And there's this incredible like gun battle that takes place on like a child's playscape in a park. Yeah. No. <laughs> And it is just, it's so, like, there's literally a scene where he's being shot at and he, like, slides down a kid's slide. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. And it it literally, it looks like, like, gang LARPing. It doesn't make any sense. (laughs) These are are the people, it's like, if, if you were to take the people who, like, literally hang out in parks and, like, dress like gnomes and wizards and, like, smack each other with foam swords but just changed it to guns uh that's that's pretty much what this is and then the guy who gets hit by the car we his narrative wraps up because at the end he like goes to the basketball court for some reason i don't, I don't know why he's just like gee boy howdy wish i could play basketball but my legs are crushed forever <laughs> <laughs> So then the other basketball guy is just like, no, man, you can still shoot. And then they have this like weird, like wheelchair basketball moment. And then the yeah. movie just ends. That's it. No more. End yeah. credits. Roll them. Yeah. So is... nothing is really. So we have like the Savant thing, which is totally rushed. We have the wheelchair basketball thing, which doesn't make a lot of sense. We have a bunch of other characters where we literally don't know what's happening with them, including the uh the, the alcoholic mom choking guy what happened with him we don't know uh well he was at that uh, preacher's house i assume he's good to go now he's, he, he's fine yeah he tries to kill himself and then well i i don't know i'm gonna call this to be more of a a cry for help sort of thing because he sure puts a gun to his head and loudly screams so that someone goes and checks on him and then uh doesn't kill himself yeah but uh, there's a yeah. literal cry for help. Yeah. I'm not I, sure. So, um, again, that that character, as much as this is a 50 minute movie, uh, we should probably cut that storyline for time because what the fuck? It doesn't even make any sense. I don't I know nothing about this character. I don't know why he's turned to the devil's drink, but uh, <laughs> that's that's the entirety of his character. He's walking uh, around. He's got holding demons, Myros. He's got demons. But why? That's the point of this type of movie is to be like, oh, like we have a subplot where a character is dealing with uh, the ramifications of having shot someone for 10 seconds, mind you, before Mm -hmm. this character is murdered by a bunch of men in tactical gear. Um, But why wouldn't you just like kind of merge those plot lines? Be like, oh, after that drive by, turn to the drink. (laughs) Yeah, it seems like that could be one character, but it's not for whatever reason. No. Uh, yeah, I, I don't understand. Well, And that's this movie in a nutshell is it's, I mean, narratively, it's a mess. None of it makes sense. If you remove that, like from a technical standpoint, some of the worst audio we've ever experienced on this podcast. And, uh, you know, nobody can really act. Uh, nobody knows how to work a camera. 
not even a little. There's no there's no blocking. There's no actual shots or cuts or, or thought when it comes to editing. Um, God, even like the fade in fade out moments and the transitions between locations are bad. There's there's really nothing of value here. <laughs> Yeah. Other than, I mean, the only thing you could say is it, it is a merciful 50 minutes, even though it feels like three hours. But if this was an actual like 90 minute film, it would feel like an eternity. I I guess that I didn't have as much trouble getting through it as you did. I It just kind of passed me by like a bad episode of television or something. <laughs> what kind like, of TV are you watching? Uh, the right stuff, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I just... I don't know. Some of my favorite stuff in the movie, it it is all around that finale. That should just be the whole movie because it's all ridiculous. Where, yeah. uh, when they dis- these two gentlemen who are not in the movie uh, decide to kidnap the homeless man, uh, and while he's kidnapping the homeless man, he runs into a woman in uh, she she's on like a rascal scooter or something yeah like, oh rolling yeah down the road and just stops it's like hey auntie i'll bring you by some money and groceries later after i'm done kidnapping this homeless man it in that conversation is like five minutes the 50 minutes 50 oh yeah minute film and when they get the homeless man back to their hideout they blackmail him. They're basically like, you're going to call Savon or we're going to fucking kill you. Uh, but then... And then they tell him he smells like poop. But then they're like, and also, we'll give you $100. And and also, we'll give you a place to live. I'm like, why didn't you just lead with the place to live instead of threatening to kill him? Be like, hey, yeah, do this. I- we'll give you a place to live. Uh, the $100 seems kind of insignificant in the grand scheme of things if you're giving him yeah. a place to live that's I know, wow, that's just gravy sweet deal you yeah. could give him a moral conundrum rather than just being like hey uh we'll kill you uh, you could be like oh he has to make this tough choice is he uh, watch out for his old maybe childhood friend maybe just drug dealer at the park i'm not sure their relationship because we can't establish things here but mm-hmm. You could assume he's one of the four childhood friends. Uh, you could say, oh, is this guy going to betray his childhood friend uh, so that he can get off the streets? Uh, there, you there you go. That's that's called uh, a plot. That's a, that's drama. We've yeah. added something here. No, no we don't, no, we don't no. have that. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's good because we, we see this sometimes with these movies. Like sometimes there's, you know, there's, there's nowhere really for the movie to go. You know, something like... Um, uh, the spy who boned us or something. It's like, no, there's there's actually no world where this could be okay. But the funny thing about this movie is it's just a director making every wrong decision. It's quite incredible. <laughs> yeah, you think, like, I, I don't know what this movie is because I assumed that Richard Givens was probably one of the rappers in the song that plays a thousand times. <laughs> and this is something you see on Amazon. Say I go to the page for the park and see customers who watch this item also watched uh, hashtag EM3, NOLA Life, 5K1, 730, Boss 2, Trap Life, The Middleman, Pure 2, Game Done Changed. These are probably all similar things where they're largely made to promote an album. Uh, oh, sure, yeah, yeah. Which is and what this, I... this is the kind I, of stuff that was popular in like... 
uh, the late 90s, like No Limit Records or something, like Master P's illustrious film career. Uh, a, lot, a lot of movie tie-ins. Right. So this is what I'm, I'm like, okay, he's, he's a rapper. He just thought this, for some reason, he thought this would be a, a cheap way to get some publicity. Uh, but he's not a rapper. Um, I don't know. I don't know what uh, this is. He's I don't not know why a rapper, this exists. But he was an extra on uh, what was it? Star Star Trek Enterprise, I think. Yeah. Oh no, Star Trek Insurrection in 1998. He was yeah. a, an uncredited extra, so that's good. Uh yeah. If you if you Google him, it does seem to be a a SAG uh, member for whatever reason. But I don't know why he's he's literally done nothing else of like that isn't this i mean there's other films but they're all this um, i'm sure let me tell you according to his bio uh he attended grant high school in van nuys yeah. where he broke numerous records in the position of running back Ooh, yeah mm -hmm. uh he's not a young fellow i that might have been a while back i mean he's he's in the film uh he plays one of the men who abduct the homeless man and threaten him, but uh, mm -hmm. distinguished by his fancy hat. But yeah, he's he's probably in his 40s, I would say. Again, it's all kind of curious. It's like, what, what is this guy? I don't get this guy. I don't know what he's trying to accomplish with this film. Is it, yeah. He's trying to do some good for the community or something, but uh, he doesn't have a message here. <laughs> no. Uh, and honestly, I think he should hire someone else to write his IMDb bio because some of these sentences are pretty clunky. Uh, <laughs> like this, this is a little out of date. I think he wrote this before the part came out. But this is this is a sentence in his IMDb bio, uh, aside from his illustrious running back career. Uh, Richard's latest film for which he produced, directed, those are both capitalized, and appeared in known as the horror film Zombies Unleashed, due for release in 2010. What a, Richard's latest film, it, known as the horror film? <laughs> what is that even? Uh, I don't know. There's uh, a little too much going on there. Also, his latest film's not in 2010, so maybe give it a, a polish here, Richard. Yeah. Come on, LA Beats, uh, which that's a that's another great website where we've got the uh, the world's worst uh, like WordPress <laughs> template from like 2007. A uh, lot lot of low res stuff going out here. Not great. <laughs> oh, I I overlooked that. I'm gonna try it. Oh, it's good. Uh, LABeats.com, my friend. Uh, love love the buttons here. It's just there's there's a lot of. <laughs> Oh, what so, is this background? <laughs> oh, yeah. So it's got like a moving like 35 millimeter film reel projector thing that just moves in the background. And then there's a bunch of like low res images promoting his various films. But the best is the is the top where there's these buttons so you can see his different work. And it it just looks like, I don't know, like weird, like just... I don't it's know. Not, like, I will say, as a as a designer myself, it's not very well married into the overall aesthetic of the site. No, it, it so looks the, the, like the, the color scheme of Microsoft Word. <laughs> yeah, it's just like blue and white. It's yeah, it's like Facebook colors. But home is is all caps, and then there's a space between each letter. Uh, voiceovers is one word here, but the O is still capitalized. 
narrative is all caps, but there seems to be two or three spaces between each letter. We Same have, with yeah, commercial. we have some definite kerning issues with this text. Also, yeah, the text uh, is not centered on the very distinct buttons. So no, uh, the music videos one is my favorite because there's spacing between the letters. And, and it's all cap and music videos. There's a, just a hyphen between yeah, music and videos. We've got a hyphen. <laughs> yeah. So basically, uh, this rocks ass. And then there's a lot of stock photos too. Like if you click on his bio, there's just like a stock photo of a guy standing on a dock. And then below that, um, there's just like two white guys holding a red one camera. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. It's, we it's, also should take note that. Um, he, a lot of this is promotion for something called the date, which is once again, a fucking series. This, this is the plague of Amazon. All these people are like, I'm making a TV series. Yeah. Uh, considering you couldn't make a one hour, uh, film, I, I'm not, you couldn't reach an hour in your feature film. Uh, I'm not entirely sure how you're going to pull out enough material for a, a full series, but mm-hmm. Uh, well, I, I don't know. I'm thinking about reaching out to him to do some voiceover work because, I mean, this is pretty much his like online portfolio. But one of his in his voiceover work, he's got some some like sample readings that he does, including a 33 minute voiceover sample of him reading uh, Fifty Shades of Grey by E.L. James. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that on the. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I want to hear him talk about like his inner goddess and shit. Uh, I wonder is it Fifty Shades or does E.L. James have another book out because it's just labeled gray. I don't know. Uh, I I don't I don't know. I, I mean maybe this is a different thing because it's it says gray by E.L. James and then it right. says Fifty Shades of Gray as told by Christian. So maybe this is the same book but from the shitty guy's perspective. Oh, I can't wait to read that. Uh, That's always a good thing. I mean, I know we're supposed to be talking about the movies here, but shout out to E.L. James for being like, man, now that my Twilight fan fiction with weird sexy stuff in it has gotten so popular, I will write a book that is the exact same story, but from the uh, perspective of another character who is universally maligned for being a garbage human. By the way, to double back briefly, since I finally got around to clicking on this bio that you're describing, uh, this is the most fucking stock image bullshit I've ever seen. None of these people are yeah. involved in any way with Richard Lee Givens. It's just no. two very white guys fucking holding a red cam, which he's probably yeah, never fucking said. seen yeah. in his life. No. I, I, I noted the red cam, but I, I assumed it was like Richard Lee Givens holding a red cam. It's like, no, no fucking way. This is like Mr. Getty image holding a red cam. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh. Oh, I mean, okay. I, it's yeah, it's it's pretty rough. But hey, he did a uh, he did a commercial for Sunrise Donuts in L.A., so that's cool. Shout out to Sunrise Donuts. I I don't understand who would hire him to do a commercial for that. Uh, someone with uh, very little money and nothing to lose. Yeah, but if you have very little money and you live in L.A., wouldn't you just be like, hey, I'm gonna make it. I'll just stand outside this classroom at UCLA. <laughs> be like, hey, you make me a commercial. <laughs> Well, you know, it's, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. But that's that's Richard Lee Givens in a nutshell, uh, maker of diarrhea, user of bad fonts and stock images. Thank you, Richard Lee, for all that you've done. Okay. Uh, Richard Lee Givens, he's he's the treasure. I don't he's, know. He this, is a treasure. 
this movie, I feel like we probably haven't given a very good synopsis of what the fuck happens in it, but that's well, how okay. Could, it's, how could you impossible. possibly give a synopsis? <laughs> it's, it's kind of impossible. It's just, it flits about from here to there. People get shot. People have, there's drugs and alcohol. Uh, none of it's really connected to anything. I guess their lives aren't that great, but except for Slam Dunk Man, he seems to be doing all right. He's he's gonna try and make the the league still. Uh, if if I were to say if, if you had to really describe this, because again, like we've we've tried to piece it together, but it's it's difficult. Really, here's how you would recreate this film: um, walk through Hollywood at night. And when someone comes up to you and tries to hand you their mixed CD that they've made, take it, okay? Get a portable boombox, play the music at peak volume so that it's just completely distorted, and then go to a park and accost strangers and just ask them to scream incoherently and push each other for about 20 to 30 minutes, and then you've got the park. That's all you need. Uh, Yeah, yeah. I guess you got to add in some, like digital uh gun effects at some point you like yeah. yeah digital gun effects and that cool ass uh digital windshield crack that i love so much yeah yeah which i'm sure those could be a, both obtained for zero dollars on the internet so you're good to go yeah all right well I, I mean that's that's pretty much the park it's um it's it's not the most abrasive thing that we've ever watched however i i do feel like there is absolutely nothing good to say about it so congratulations richard lee uh, it's short <laughs> it's short yeah it's short and even though it feels long it's actually short <laughs> so there you go now myros you you picked a a much more conventional film here uh standard like 90 minute horror romp uh, I, I guess the the interesting thing about your choice is it takes place almost entirely in a single apartment building, and you chose the last apartment. Yes, filmed in uh, downtown Manhattan. Yeah, uh, really? Yeah, that's. <laughs> I'm <laughs> I'm positive it must be. Yeah, it looks it's like it was filmed in, in like, Times Square. <laughs> it, it looks like it was filmed in like I don't know like a suburb outside of like Iowa city or something. I, this it's, this is a really just aesthetically repugnant apartment. Yeah. Why are we selling this? This is Manhattan real estate. This is, this is the opposite of Manhattan real estate. Uh, uh, I think the, the good thing about it, it looks almost like a basement apartment to me, but there's no, uh, and, and to the director's credit, cause this happens a lot with interior shots is everything is dark, but then there's light leak from the windows. So like certain scenes are just blown out or like the windows themselves just look blown out. And here the camera largely stays away from any external window. So it looks like they're in some dungeon apartment, but at least we don't have like horrible white balancing issues. So congratulations. Uh, yeah. What it, maybe it is a color correction thing, but the apartment appears to be painted like some sort of like puke green or something like it's just- yeah, like somewhere between piss and vomit. Yeah, yeah, it's a real puce uh, apartment we got going here. I uh, with like bizarre like wood planks uh, every six odd feet. I it when two separate couples in the in the course of this movie describe it as a uh, 
charming apartment. I'm like, well, well what? Are oh you yeah, no. Every about? every time they would talk about that, I would start <laughs> cracking up because they're like, oh, it's so charming and spacious. We could raise a family here. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> You're in like a five by five room without any windows. This is like a closet in a basement with. <laughs> well, it's it's Manhattan real estate, man. <laughs> what do you Manhattan, expect, baby? Three hundred square feet, a hundred for you and a hundred for each of your two children. <laughs> it's spoken by people who have never entered Manhattan. That's what this is. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, maybe it takes place outside of New York because uh, Uncle Lloyd makes an appearance later in the film. Well, yeah, but he doesn't. Well, he coughed it himself. <laughs> yeah, he kind of shoots on a green screen. So who knows if he actually was was on location at any point. Uh, but before we get into all this, I want to say this film does one of my favorite things that I, I really hadn't thought much of until we started doing the Cost of Content podcast, and that is uh, it, it starts off with a, with a bang. There's, there's killing and vampires and all kinds of stuff. And you're like, whoa, this is really jumping right into it. And then we find out later that it's a it's a movie on TV that one of the couples is watching, a little fake out there. And then later on, one of the couples is is watching TV again, and we see another movie that's that's on television. And I firmly believe that this is a case of the director uses his own old movies as like things on TV in a new movie in order to promote his greater body of work. I'm Which gonna have to say that you're 100 percent right. There's no fucking way that's not what's going on. Here. Yep. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna assume he does have 120 credits, so it's kind of difficult for me to ascertain. But yeah. something tells me that one of these movies uh, that he has made in this 120 credits involves a, a clown butchering some women in their apartment. Yeah, uh, and just, then another one has to do with I don't know vampires or whatever and muscular boys uh yeah yeah uh, well i i know for a fact he has a lot of other stuff on amazon which i wonder if it's again this is one of those cases where i'm like man maybe i could have maybe i could have found a better example of something fucking dreadful from this director because he's got a lot on prime uh a yeah. lot of if, if you search the horror uh category in the way that we do uh yeah. you'll have seen Many of his uh, zombie films after the outbreak, surviving the mm. outbreak, into the outbreak. They all look fucking identical. And I, that's what got me looking into this gentleman. And uh, sure. again, perhaps I didn't pick the the worst he has to offer. But this one had a, a unique appeal to me in that I'm, I'm always searching out these potentially dreadfully boring things that mm -hmm. that seem to have a single set and this yeah. uh, this delivered on that front well i mean it, it's it's pretty boring but at least there's like things going on and there's these two narratives that exist simultaneously but instead of doing like just exposition at the beginning or some sort of explainer at the end they kind of weave together these two narratives this couple from the past that's causing this uh, spooktacular stuff to happen in the present uh so a little bit smarter of an approach than the park <laughs> i think yeah but yeah I, I don't know i i have a feeling that this guy has some some real garbage in his ouvoir yes but yeah. uh this this might be upper echelon man i think you your tolerance for it goes beyond mine it, it makes a lot of mistakes that i have trouble with personally but mm -hmm. um 
let's let's get into the Amazon description real quick before we jump sure. in. I'm going to call it uh, a seemingly happy couple moves into a new apartment in the city. Things take a turn for the worse as blind ambition corrupts and a vengeful ghost haunts them. When a new couple moves in, the co- the ghost hasn't left. She's only found her new victims as her reign of rage and terror grows. Wait, I'm confused. I <laughs> So, I thought that the ghost that haunts the second couple is, is the, the wife. first couple. Yeah. So then the description is just wrong then, right? I, I suppose so. Unless, well, I guess, unless I it was know. following the very last <laughs> from the from the last scene of the film. Well, because uh, yeah, okay. the ghost isn't always there. Although, I guess after the guy who looks like, like Joaquin Phoenix, like face-fucked Ben Shapiro, uh, when, when he kills his wife, then she becomes a ghost who haunts him. So right. I guess she's there then too. I, I guess it makes sense. It's still it's a little misleading. Uh that's it's not a very accurate plot description. I'll say that, and it it brings to mind a lot of issues I have with the film. Like, why is this ghost trying to kill this new couple? It doesn't she's vengeful, man? But she, her uh, rage is tied to the home. No couple will be happy. Her marriage wasn't happy, and neither will yours be. You would think she might have interest in... You could go one of two ways, I'd say. The ghost tries to kill the wife uh, to replace her in the relationship. Yeah. Uh, Seeking love. Uh, Or the ghost tries to kill the husband because she fucking hates all men because her husband was the, the worst human alive. Uh, yeah. Well, but and I I, thought, I'm not like, sure why she wants to kill them both. It's, it's very strange to me. Again, maybe to the movie's credit, although this, this feels entirely accidental, but I thought that the, the, the apartment itself was what was causing this because the man from the first couple is such a like profoundly hilarious garbage human. <laughs> That I'm like, oh, he's got to be corrupted by the house. This can't be real. And it's like, nope, that's just who he is. It's it's pretty good. Yeah, you you could go that direction as well. You could say, oh, it's just uh, look at this color they painted the walls is driving everyone insane. Uh, but that's doesn't say all the supernatural stuff in the film revolves around the wife of the first couple being a ghost. There's nothing else presented. I I thought kind of that that line too, where I'm like, oh, they're doing like a shining thing. Uh, but then they just kind of stop doing it because the, the wife in the, the main character, uh, uh, that couple, the couple who is the events are occurring to in the present. Um, I don't know. They, they start to do kind of a shining thing with the wife where she, or she's going nuts and. Mm-hmm. You think maybe they'll be applying it to the husband too? Oh, he probably is having an affair. The house is making them do these things, but then it just stops doing that, and yeah, it just becomes like ghost tell. lady walking around choking him and stuff. Yeah, so it's like the ghost lady doing it, or like what's going on? But it's it's impossible to tell. I should hope uh, the ghost lady's doing it because if she's not, then boy, they need to like wrap this relationship up because yeah. it's it's problematic. All men are trash. <laughs> This relationship doesn't seem to be going all that great. Like the guy oh. has one business meeting and his wife's just like, eh, fuck you. Sleep on the couch mm-hmm. for the next year because clearly you're cheating on me. I'd be like, what? <laughs> if we had yeah, like kind of weird, you need like a, a thing in the beginning of the movie where they're 
established to be like recovering from, uh, you know, oh, that he cheated in the past. Now she's suspicious of him, but they're moving to start their new life. Mm-hmm. But there's none of that. There's no reason no, for her to no be suspicious to think... of him. And yeah, she just immediately was... is like, fuck you, you're cheating on me. Yeah, which, like, oh. I, again, I thought was ghost stuff, but then there's no indication that that's what's actually occurring. It's Unless it's some subtext that's just, it's uh, it's too complex for my simple mind. I'm going to I'm gonna call it ghost stuff. I think that's ghost stuff. Okay. I think the ghost is whispering in her ear, making her like crazy paranoid. Uh, but uh, which was fine when it was going that direction. I was like, okay, uh, yeah, this isn't so bad. Uh, it's doing something. But then it, it just again, she kind of leaves the apartment for a few days and comes back and is pregnant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the ghost uses a ghostly fucking coat hanger to fish out her her unborn child oh yeah ghost abortion (laughs) yes this is what happens in the film uh there is a ghost coat hanger that that kills their their fetus um Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's the direction it goes and i don't know why because that's literally in the last 10 minutes of the movie yeah and uh and she made no indication i mean before the ghost the ghost husband before he like murdered her and uh you know just when their relationship was fine or even when it wasn't she didn't really make any sort of indication that she wanted kids right away i guess i don't think so unless there was a throwaway line i know the second couple was like we can raise a family here but i don't remember that from the first couple uh so i didn't know she was so baby crazy no no there's nothing about pregnancy in in the no, story just of the being a dick couple. yeah yeah which is again why i don't really Get it. Yeah, you want to make this ghost kind of a, a tragic figure doomed to meet out her own like tragedy upon these new people. But instead she just kinda is an asshole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, just, kind of an asshole. She just uh kills their baby and then immediately kills them. So it, it kind of like robs that plot line of any impact if you're like, Oh, what a tragedy that they had this miscarriage and well, as they see it a miscarriage. Uh, they they can't see the ghosts, uh, so they don't really ascribe anything to the supernatural, despite mm-hmm. uh, you know some weird things happening in their lives. So for them, it's just a miscarriage. You think you could dwell on that? Maybe that's even the source of all this tension in the relationship. But instead, it's it happens literally five minutes before the ghost chokes them both to death. Yeah, yeah. So, and we should probably tell people, too, that the way that this ghost comes about is uh, the husband sort of out of nowhere, um, he goes kind of American Psycho. And that's what this is. It's basically like J-horror mixed with a light sprinkle of American Psycho, like Patrick Bateman shit. And uh, (laughs) there's there's a lot of of good stuff going on here. First of all, it, it does one of my favorite things that low budget movies do where I feel like nobody who is involved in the writing process knows how humans talk or how, like, people talk about their lives or their jobs. So (laughs) there's this this guy, the American Psycho guy, who looks like Joaquin Phoenix. He talks... He's constantly talking about his promotion, and then this is, like, a, a subject of conversation for them multiple times. But she's like, did you get... A promotion? The promotion at the business job that you have? (laughs) 
<laughs> There's just like nothing specific about what he does. It's just the promotion at the job. <laughs> and that's pretty great. Uh, and then the other thing this movie does that I really enjoy is there's only one like real like vicious kill uh and that is the shower kill but it's supposed to be really like visceral and like oh my gosh because the american psycho husband all he wants to do is bang uh but not his wife just other women and so yeah, finally yeah. he decides to remove his wife from the equation so she's in the shower and he just walks in and he just like slowly like bumps her head against the wall like 10 times and then she dies. <laughs> but just the cadence that he does it, it looks totally ridiculous. Very into that. Um, and another thing to this movie's credit, and, and this is not something we get very often. So people frequently associate low budget films with, you know, oh, there's like just violence and TNA. But a lot of times people don't realize like you know blood and gore and that type of like action takes money which these people don't have and if you're not paying an actor and actress more than like you know 20 bucks and a cheese sandwich for their work they're probably not going to take their boobs out but uh the last apartment it's uh it's swimming in boobs uh i don't know about swimming the main but, neither uh, of the main characters are fucking doing any Nudity. No, but but this is a film that takes place like ninety nine percent of the movie is inside of one apartment, and it's between two couples. And even though the the two couples themselves don't get naked, uh, somehow there's like four pairs of boobs in this movie. Uh, I can think of two because he keeps bringing in like <laughs> four uh, individual boobs in this movie. <laughs> I think four individual boobs because because the the monstrous Joaquin Phoenix husband, I I believe. There are like three women who he brings home to bang uh, while his wife is sitting in the next room. Um, so the first time when he's caught cheating, there, there's some full frontal for you. Uh, and then the second time uh, it's just a woman sitting topless in the bed. I don't think there's any other instances. The blonde woman, I think, is also immune from doing nudity. So yeah. the guy probably just chucked a bit of his budget at a couple of like strippers or porn actresses to, to do a scene in and then yeah. was done with it it's probably that was done with it that's a it fine way to use your budget you don't have to get like real actresses to do such a thing you just mm -hmm. uh, yeah you pay who you, you can we'll take the 20 bucks and the cheese sandwich yeah it's a, it's akin to hiring a body double or something here they just booby double yeah you brought in just a couple of actresses to do literally nothing except yeah, Flash. I wonder if anybody's ever done that. Like, whether it's a low budget film or otherwise, do you think there's like stunt boobs or stunt dicks out there? Yes, of course. Like what? You know, yeah, like, I mean, like especially now. I mean, we are in the renaissance of of people like hanging dong in, in mainstream movies. But like, what if somebody comes on screen, they drop their pants for the first time, the director's like, "You got a weird dick. It looks like Toad from Mario Kart." So then they just do they do you bring in a stunt penis? What does your resume look like? How do you establish yourself as a stunt penis man? Uh, I don't know. I think you probably, I mean, there, it, it's, there's a lot of actors and actresses who won't do nudity. And yeah, if sure, yeah. seeing calls for it, they'll just, they'll have someone who vaguely resembles them much as a stunt man to, uh, yeah, briefly. Uh, well, I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to throw my hat in uh, for stunt penis duty. 
Uh, I will I will send you a, a portfolio of uh, me doing uh, like a windmill. Uh, I can I could tuck it between my legs. Uh, I, I think that's all I could do for tricks. But yeah, if, you, if you're listening, if you're a director out there, I'm available. Uh, you better be careful of who's going to call you for a dick windmill. Probably the very man who appears in this film, Lloyd Kaufman himself. Yeah, Lloyd Kaufman. If if Lloyd Kaufman called you and he was just like, Myros, I listen to Cost of Content. I love it. I need you to dick windmill in my next film. Would you do it? No. You wouldn't dick windmill for Lloyd? Uh, no. Oh. Well, okay, and, and another another sign of quality though in this film is they uh, they do have a Lloyd Kaufman cameo, which uh, that that automatically puts you one step above the bottom rung of, of filmmaking. It's probably the worst thing too. It it's it it's just fucking awful. <laughs> <laughs> this is our this is our second one. It's it's kind of inevitable. It just it shows up, and this one doesn't make any sense at all. It's just Lloyd Kaufman yelling on TV. It's just as awful as in content. It's just as awful as his appearance in whatever that farty poo poo man movie was we watched. Uh, <laughs> the farty poo poo man. Yes, that's what he was in, right? Farty poo poo man. Oh yeah, the diarrhea mouth. Oh, yeah. Legend of Stank mouth. Yes, yes. Um, so his his appearance in that movie just involved him saying horrible things and being horrible, and this is much the same. Except this movie doesn't have any aspirations toward the comedic. And it's he's, just he's like just Lloyd Kaufman about... on a television ostensibly doing a stand-up set where he's just like, if your wife was fat, you'd want to have Ebola or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then he says he wants to kick Rosie O'Donnell in the nuts. It's like, what does that mean? But this is all to the raise awareness of. Yes. Uh, oh, that that bit is so great. He's like, "Why does that ice bucket challenge have to do with ALS?" And instead of leaving it at that, he's like, "What does it have to do with?" Like he, I, I guess he's trying to mimic someone with ALS. I, I, it's it's in poor taste, but such is Lloyd Kaufman. But again, sure. here it just makes no sense. But no, yeah. none of the stuff. That, like this movie would be much better if they just didn't have a television in their apartment. <laughs> yeah, probably help. Like every time they're showing this shit of his movies or Lloyd Kaufman, it's just like fucking stop this, man. But it's uh, I don't know. I you seem to give this movie more credit than I do. I had a lot of problems with it. I well to set up the structure a little better. I think again we're probably leaving people scratching their heads. This movie basically follows two separate couples. One is in the present. They moved into this apartment and the other is the previous residence of the apartment, which is crazy Joaquin Phoenix and his yeah. wife. So mm -hmm. crazy Joaquin Phoenix uh, becomes unhinged and starts sleeping with other women and will not allow his life wife to leave him under threat of physical violence and eventually he kills her and uh so now she's haunting the apartment essentially and yeah. ruining this new couple's relationship so the problems for me come in in that the new couple's relationship is never given a chance to be like normal even if you want to do that for five, ten minutes of them seeming like a happy, normal couple, we don't get any of that. It's just like immediately they have no chemistry. Uh, 
and the wife character is not given a character. Mm-hmm. She's just suspicious and yeah, off putting the entire time. And you're like, okay, I don't, I, I don't feel for this couple. I can't get behind their plight. And so that, that's a huge problem for me. This wants to do, uh, but it feels like that wife character should almost be like the main character in this story. The husband doesn't really have a lot to do. Uh, and the ghost would seemingly be having more of a pull on her, but she's mm-hmm. not given any meat. Uh, most of the time she's just sitting on a couch watching TV or yelling at him uh, or eating noodles. There's a lot of yeah. eating noodles in this. A lot of, lot of tortellini consumption in this film. Yeah, there, there's like four separate scenes of people sitting alone at a table eating noodles for several minutes. And it's uh, that's not a good way to, to pace your film. Uh, we it's could, called cinema. We could get rid of some of these noodle scenes. I'll, I'll yeah, say that. You ever that. seen an Ozu movie? Come on. Uh, it's where the drama happens around the family dinner table, baby. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's what he's going for. There's one where they're both sitting at the table silently eating noodles. There's one where it's just him. There's one where it's just her. It, it, it is... It's like enough with the fucking spaghetti, man. I, I can't fucking see any more of people eating spaghetti. So, yeah. Uh, this is uh, a shocker coming from you because I know one of your favorite films of last year was uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer, which prominently features a big-time spaghetti-eating scene. Well, that's that's the thing about this movie is it's incompetently directed. There's ways... This is... A lot of this stuff could, in theory, work. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily averse to people eating spaghetti, and what you're trying to convey with this. <laughs> That's spaghetti a strong eating, stance to take. I'm glad you're taking it. What he's trying to convey with the, these dinner scenes, in theory, makes sense. As does a lot of the J horror shit he's trying to do. You watch something like uh, Tale of Two Sisters, which is Korean, but nonetheless, it's it's, it's playing in the same ballpark where you've got. Yeah. These, there's one really famous scene where the, the sister kind of crawls under the bed sheets and you're watching this whole thing. It's not a jump scare at all, but it fills you with such a sense of dread. And that's clearly what he's trying to do with this with this ghost in this movie. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. she's never jumping out and startling you. She's always like in the frame. And you're supposed to be like, oh, shit, that's not supposed to be there. That This is so unsettling. But it never, never for a second has that effect. It's no, just like a woman standing there. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you know, and I, I will say from a from a technical standpoint, um, audio, much like the park, is just it's a mess. I don't know. I I don't think he had a microphone at all, honestly. So the park, it's just like it oscillates between too loud and too quiet. And then there's the rap music constantly in the background that ruins everything. And this is like, it doesn't matter where the camera is. You can't hear anyone. You have to have subtitles on. And when there is music, and, and there's not a ton of it, but he's got some stock music here. It's it's too loud. So the sound mix is is garbage. But I will say, unlike Richard Lee Givens... I believe that the director of <laughs> um, The Last Apartment, Mr. Larry Rosen, 
has held a camera before. And I mean, thank God, I, I would imagine he has because he's got like 900 directorial credits to his name. But uh, there's not that any of this looks good because it doesn't. It's it's drab. It's it's washed out. It's just it's not good looking. It's ugly. It's an ugly movie. But like scenes are blocked. There's actual like <laughs> there's you could tell that there's some thought that has gone into the camera shots and even though a, a good portion of this is still handheld stuff, but there's there's some thinking behind what's going on. Whereas the park is just like, okay, some stuff's gonna happen. Just do some stuff, and then he's just got the GoPro on a on a little uh, handheld tripod thing. And he's just waving it around. Uh, so it, it does have that going for it. So by almost any measurable standard, this is one of the worst directed things ever. But on cost of content, it's, you know, it's not the worst. Yeah, I I probably, I, I, I'd to say, I'd to say because the park is indecipherable, but I think I almost had more audio complaints with this film because it was, my biggest thing is that uh, Joaquin Phoenix, he is very audible. Every line mm -hmm. he says is loud. And every line that any other actor in the entire film says is just like. So I'd, I'd crank my volume yeah. all the way the fuck up. And then because it cuts back and forth between these two couples all the time, all of a sudden Joaquin Phoenix to show up and be like, hello, it is me. <laughs> and I'm like, God damn it. I'm watching it at like 3 a.m. I'm like, Christ, it's like rattling the fucking house. <laughs> Well, I, I mean, I had subtitles on for this one, too, because I'm like, OK, I, oh, I'm I not going to do well. what I did. Yeah. <laughs> so I had subtitles on for both of them. And at least with the with the last apartment, I, I will give you like the, the lows are much lower here on the audio end. Like there's there's some characters where there's no way without subtitles you could tell what they were saying. Uh, but the subtitles are pretty clear, whereas with the park. Any dialogue that's going on is also competing with the rap music in the background. <laughs> so and, and the audio is bad. So there there are several occasions throughout the park where I don't know if people are talking or if they're the rap lyrics to the song in the background. Not that it makes any difference because who the hell knows what's <laughs> going on in the movie. But <laughs> that proved to be a bit of a problem, too. Yeah, and as far as, again, directorial, there are flashes in this movie. For being a, a single set, uh, you know, I have a fucking cell phone in my apartment and we're making a movie. Yeah. Uh, it could be a lot worse. Oh, and, yeah. And there's even... Oh, we've seen a lot worse on this, on this uh, podcast. Yeah, there's even, like, toward the climax when when the ghost is, is dispatching of these two people, there is actually mm -hmm. a shot where I was like, well, where did that come from? <laughs> like it, yeah. it, the, the camera sort of pans over the husband's shoulder into the bathroom and there's like a lens flare. And I'm like, why does this look so much better than the rest of the movie? But yeah, I, I never said that in the park. There was nothing no. that looked appreciably <laughs> better. That than looked okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I, I, yeah, I, this movie, I don't like it, especially because of the way they contextualize a lot of things. It it veers dangerously close to the uh, bitches be crazy genre once again. Yeah, uh, yeah. And it shouldn't. That's the opposite of the message of the movie. But it, it just because of some poor characterization, mm -hmm. it starts to feel that way. But sure. that being said, yeah, you won. 
<laughs> so okay okay well yeah i mean i'm i'm gonna vote for the park are you voting for the park as well yeah i mean i don't feel very strongly about either of these i don't i think they're both very middle of the pack uh and i By could, our standards yeah i could i could try and make an argument but realistically if i'm being honest you know i made the argument in the last episode about evan straw that if you put this material it could almost be like a bloomhouse movie if it was given to to real filmmakers yeah it was a totally fine script and this is much the same it's a lot less charming in execution than evan straw was for me mm-hmm. uh but it 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 could be a movie and the park <laughs> the park could never be a movie yeah yeah so yeah i think you you got me on this one well so would you so would you categorize we usually try to categorize these movies as either atrocities or curiosities would you categorize both of these as atrocities I'm going to call them both atrocities because neither one sparks any interest in me at all. I, I don't. I mean, the park seems like it, it could be on the on the fence and it is 50 minutes long. So if you're a really, really curious person, then you're not going to fucking pull your hair out, I guess. But it's mm-hmm. not it's not interesting. No, neither of these are interesting. So I, they're both getting atrocity labels from me. Yeah, definitely both atrocities in my mind. Um. So yeah, I, I guess uh, I'll I'll take my victory. And where do, where does that put our score? Does that put me one up on you? Are we yeah, tied I, now? I believe we were tied going into last episode, or at the end of last episode. I believe we had had retied things. So I think you have now taken a a one point lead. Nice. That's back where I belong on top, baby. All right, Myros. Well, uh, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to pick our movies for the next episode, and I know you've been doing a little homework here, trying to trying to pick some new stuff because, as we've discovered, uh, you know, when we initially made our lists of things that we wanted to state claims to, I think you and I both uh, chose some things where now that we've we've really waded into the shit here, uh, almost seem like great movies in comparison to what we've watched. So I, I know you've got a few new things on your docket. Are you going to be choosing a newer movie from your list? Oh, I am. I don't want to make... I, I can't take any chances that some sort of uh, strange uh, Gru-esque thing happens and it disappears off Amazon. I got to get right to it. I This escalation to me is, is one of the more fascinating things about this process as far because if you look back at our first episode where I picked the 13th Friday, and that's like a fucking masterpiece compared to oh yeah it's like a million dollar movie in like, comparison I, I would never if i watched that trailer tomorrow i would never consider it for use in this project at this point it would <laughs> it would not even be a consideration uh i find myself watching all these things uh on amazon these little trailers and i'm like it could be something that no one would ever sit through and i'm like it's just not it's not not bad enough no, gonna have to not pass bad enough. on that. Gonna have to pass. We gotta get something worse. And I've got something worse for you. Okay. It's a, it's a film called Lightning Strikes Twice. Uh, I think let me pull this up here. It's it's gonna be something. Yeah, there are several classic films called Lightning Strike Twice, but this is not a classic film called Lightning Strikes. This is from 2014. Okay. You're gonna be very happy. Uh, because oh, it's two hours and ten minutes long. Ooh, Jesus! Uh, it's from a director named Doug Phillips, who I uh, I get the sense that this guy's got something. I think he's I think he's a real 
fucking master of the craft. I oh man, I'm very excited. I think this is going to be like the most overly melodramatic uh, thing imaginable, and I think it it could be a strong contender for one of the worst things we're going to watch for this. Okay, okay. It's lightning strikes twice. What year is it from? 2014. 2014. Okay. I'm I'm trying to find it on Amazon. I I can't seem to to find it, but uh, you know, whatever. I'll find it eventually. Oh boy. Uh, yeah, nervous. it looks. Uh, oh boy. Oh, 2013 is what it's listed as. It's it's a it's a faith based movie. Uh yeah, I think it kind of is. Okay. Oh, God, um, this cover on oh, Amazon boy. is incredible. Yeah, uh, this looks amazing. Uh, I'm I pretty we, sure. I'm pretty sure this is going to deliver big time. <laughs> I hope so. Now, now I'm starting to rethink my my decision here. Um, you know, let me. I, I want to look at something really quick because if if we're going long ass movies, maybe I should maybe I should reconsider which uh, which film I'm going to choose. Because I, I don't, I don't, I can't give you another like hour long or less than an hour long one. I didn't even give you a feature like film this time. <laughs> All right, I, I have a few things here, a few potential winners. Uh, let me look on Amazon. I, I want this to be the best of the best. What? So Lightning Strikes Strikes, a faith-based movie, and what is it about? It. Oh, I have no idea. It, you have the, no the, idea. If you watch the trailer on here, it starts with like two people in terrible wigs like singing praise hymns for like 30 seconds and then it cuts to a whole bunch of shit like oh she's on heroin oh god i'm dying of cancer and it's just it it seems to be about a slice of life man a slice oh, of life and only the love. lord can help i i did not go in searching for faith and spirituality i actually my new tact was to search through uh, comedies because I was getting tired of picking horror movies every time around and uh, somehow that led me here <laughs> that led you there I don't All think right, this well, movie is a comedy in any way <laughs> shape or form it's just you know you get down that rabbit hole of customers who also watched and, and here we are okay well I'm going to give you a choice here because you know I, I am up on you and I feel like you've, you've tied me a few times I'm not sure if you've ever held a, a meaningful lead at any point in this process uh, so your choice is going to be between a movie called Always Chasing Love, which is like an art house drama love film, uh, where I laughed hysterically at the trailer, <laughs> or a movie that I chose specifically because, well, one, it looks like shit, and two, um, the re there's like a review fight going on in the Amazon reviews where there's like a bunch of five-star reviews and they're like yeah i love it indie b-movie goodness and then other people that are like these people are fucking liars they're like boosting up the reviews of their own film i worked on this they beat me with a stick uh and it's called land of college profits it's a it's a low budget superhero movie oh i've seen the trailer for this i'm gonna go with that <laughs> i'm gonna go with college that. profits because okay. I, I deemed it not bad enough to enter my list. In Not my bad new, enough, but, you, but did you did you do the reading? Because the reading is what really is going to make it. I feel like uh, I didn't do the reading. I just saw that it was like the first fucking superhero film. So it had some bullshit claim at the beginning of the trailer. I was oh like, yeah, oh, this yeah. looks real dumb. But it did. <laughs> I don't know. I did, in my new warped mindset, I was like, it's not bad enough. Not bad nope, enough. Not bad enough. So what I'm okay, going to do so is, is I'm going to strategically. 
uh, pick this in the hopes that, well, I, I should probably pick the other because I don't think anything stands a fucking chance in hell against lightning strikes twice. But yeah. nonetheless, I'm interested okay. in this college profits. All right, Land of College Profits it is. So uh, this will be fun because, well, the movie's going to blow, but uh, also it, there's there's all kinds of controversy in this in the review section, so I think that'll be fun to discuss. And even though only uh, Thomas Edward Seymour is listed as the director, based on the reading that I've done in the review section, it seems that it was directed by eight people. Eight people. So eight people. Eight people. That might be a new record for us. All right, so, yeah, if you're following along at home... Make sure you check out Land of College Profits and Lightning Strikes Twice. Myros, you don't have any social media presence, but if you have anything that you'd like to say to Myros, if you have, if you have any movie suggestions for us, any feedback, uh, questions, comments, death threats, marriage proposals, optimismvaccine at gmail.com is the place to send that, and Myros will dutifully answer your emails. Uh, if you want to contact us on Twitter, you can contact us at Optimism Vaccine, or you can contact me directly at Steve Cuff. That's at Steve C U F F. And make sure, if you listen to this podcast right now, you check out the description in the podcast and you click on that little link and that'll send you to our iTunes page. Please, if you have not done it yet, uh, just click the link, write us a really quick review, give us five stars. It helps us out a ton. A ton, a ton, a ton. Even if you've already reviewed the podcast, given us five stars, but you haven't done a written review, go back, just be like, uh, yeah, like, just write, Steve would be a good windmill dick stuntman or something. Anything, anything. Write anything you want. We just need those written reviews because that helps us gain more visibility on iTunes. So please do that. It'll help us out a ton. And other than that, uh, that'll take care of it until next week. <laughs> <laughs>